Don't you love Jesus tonight? Are you glad you're in church tonight? No place I would rather be but here in your love, Lord. So let's just pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this series, Father, for what you've ministered to my heart. As we wrap it up tonight, Father, help us to tie it up with a nice neat bow of Jesus, our example. Bring back to our remembrance everything we've studied, everything we've learned. Father God, help us to fall even more in love with you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're wrapping it up tonight. We're going to finish our last lesson on Jesus, our example. We've looked at him as our example in humility, in uh, walking free from insecurities, and in walking free from stress. And I don't know about you, but I have just been so amazed. The deeper that I look at him and the more that I read the Gospels and, and watch how he did things, the more amazed I am at just... <laughs> who he was and what he did on this earth. And I'm really excited about tonight's lesson, and we're going to start with our main scripture. As I was on my quest for rest, I jumped on Matthew 11, 28 through 30 in the Message Bible. We could probably all say it in our sleep by now. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. How did Jesus do all these things? How did he walk in such humility? How did he walk completely free of insecurities, knowing who he was? all the time? How did he walk free from stress? How did he not let anything sway him from his peace and his rest? How did he find a rest for his soul 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 33 and a half years as he walked the face of this earth? And the answer to that is my favorite subject in the whole wide Bible. It's abiding. <laughs> Everybody say abiding. This is how Jesus walked in rest. This is how Jesus stayed in rest. This is how Jesus stayed free from stress and from pride and from insecurities. He, he was abiding. And we're going to open first to John chapter 14. I'm going to read some scriptures and then we're going to talk about it a little bit deeper. John 14 verse 8. And Jesus was talking to the disciples and Philip said to him, well, let's start in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me is the one who does his work through me. And he says later on in verse 20, in 21, he says, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and my Father is in me, and you are in me. 
I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each one of them. And this is how Jesus walked free. This is how Jesus walked in peace. This is how Jesus stayed in rest. He's talking to his disciples here. This is his last discourse with them, 14, 15, and 16th chapters of John, before he goes to the cross. And he's imparting to them the wisdom that he wants them to remember before he leaves. This is how I did it. And so this is what you need to do. This is how I walked free. This is how I had rest for my soul. This is how you're going to do it. It's the Father in me. Let's read John 15. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am in the vine. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask anything you want and it will be given to you by my Father in heaven. And I'm going to read a couple of these verses out of the Amplified. Verse 7, actually, it says, If you live in me, if you abide in me, vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. He also said that in verse 4. Dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. And we've talked about this before, if you've ever been here for any of my other 20 abiding messages that I might have done on before. Vitally united means that if you're not united to him, you're not connected to life. Vital means life. We have vital signs, right? When you call 911 and the ambulance comes, the first thing they're going to do is check for your vital signs. Because if they don't find any, they're going to declare you dead. Because without vital signs, you're dead. If you don't have a pulse, if your blood's not pumping through your heart, if your heart's not beating, you're dead. Abide vitally united to the vine. I can live without my thumb. Can't live without my brain. That's a vital organ. I can live without my leg, but I cannot live without my heart. That's a vital organ. So when he's talking about abiding in him, vitally united to the vine, we need to remember that without staying connected to him, there is no life. There is no joy. There is no peace. There is no rest. Because all of that is connected to him. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at abiding. Jesus showed us how to do this. This is where life flows. When you're connected to the vine. I love that vine branch illustration. Just think about a rose bush. 
or a tree, the branches from the tree that are connected to the trunk. If you cut a branch off, what's it going to do? But if it stays connected, what's it going to do? Right, because it draws its life, its nutrients, it draws everything it needs from the trunk that's connected to the roots, that's connected to the water source. So we're talking about abiding, and we're going to look at how Jesus did this so that we know how we should do this so that we can walk free, rest for our souls. This is where grace is given. You can look at those unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus walked in grace. It said he was full of grace. It doesn't call him grace, but it says he was full of grace and truth. And grace is the divine influence on the heart reflecting out into life. Divine influence of the heart that reflects out into life. And Jesus walked in this earth as a flesh and blood human being to show us how to walk as flesh and blood human beings connected to the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. And he says, now I am in you. So he's relating it to us so that we get that picture. I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. I stayed connected to him like a vine to a branch. And now you're, I'm in you, so you stay connected to me like a vine to a branch. So they got to watch him do that so that they knew how to do that. That's where life flows. That's where grace flows. That's where strength comes from. And we talked in the very first lesson way back in July, walk, work, watch, about how Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, that was kind of a rabbinical uh, phrase. Those were rabbinical teachings. And it's, it's where Jesus was saying, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's referring to his way of teaching. And so when he's saying, take on my teachings, take on my ways, we need to yield to his lordship. That's where real rest for our souls come, when we yield to his lordship. Now, we, we tell a lot of people that he's good, and he is, and we call him healer, and we say he'll meet your need, and he'll heal your body, and he'll do this for you, and he'll do that for you. But we don't always say, okay, now he's Lord. <laughs> you come in and we trick him into the kingdom. Come, come, get all your physical needs met by wonderful, wonderful Jesus. And he wants to, and he is wonderful. But there's another side to that where he's also Lord, right? Let's say it. Jesus is Lord. (laughs) I call him my Lord. Now, do you know what that means? That means he gets to control it. (laughs) And we have to yield to his teachings and his way of doing things. And so we're going to look at that a little bit tonight. Uh, In the book of Galatians, actually, we're going to skip out of the Gospels and get Paul's bird's eye view of how Jesus did this. Paul interpreted the works of Jesus for us, didn't he? In all the epistles. So we're going to look at it a little bit tonight because guess what? This is what we're going to look at. Jesus never sinned. Not ever, not once ever, or he wouldn't have been eligible to die for us. He would have had to die for his own sin. And is there any rest for your soul in sin? 
And so we're going to look at this a little bit tonight. Jesus was in the Father. The Father was in him. He's in us. We need to stay in him. How does this work for us? So let's flip over to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read a few of the verses in here. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And if you skip over to verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Now listen, he's talking to the church, isn't he? It's possible for the church to sin. Are we all on the same page there? (laughs) You know, there's a teaching going around that past, present, future sins are all under the blood and it doesn't really count for the church. What we do doesn't matter. So we're just going to say right away and preface everything tonight with what you do does matter. Okay? Can we just all say amen to that? (laughs) Just nod and agree. You can go home, study it for yourself later. You'll come to the same conclusion. God is still a holy God, and he expects his church to live holy. Okay? If you're following a gospel that grace (laughs) says that sin doesn't count, then you need to find yourself a new gospel. Can I just say that? If you're following a gospel that leaves no consequence for sin, then you need to find yourself a new gospel because that's not what Jesus preached ever. Okay. Let's go to verse... How did I get off on that? 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Can everyone say the word let? Guess what? It's a choice. (laughs) It's a conscious decision to walk free from sin and let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desire of your sinful nation, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. You can say ouch inside yourself if you would like. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, turning the page, (laughs) gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Six, 
One, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to follow and fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. There is a law in Christ. We're not under the law of Moses. We're under the law of Christ right? So there's still a law that we're under, but it's under Christ's law. It's under the law of love. But we're going to look at a few of these in the Amplified, and then we will comment. First, I want to look at verse 16. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. So it's telling us here, how do we walk in the Spirit? Jesus walked in the Spirit. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I am in the Father, the Father is in me. He was aware of that. He was aware of that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. Verse 22 in the Amplified says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everyone say, The work which his presence within accomplishes. The work which his presence within accomplishes. I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. That means his presence is in me. He didn't leave us here with all this law, right, to live a holy life in our own power and in our own strength. Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? The Spirit descended on him like a dove, and God spoke from heaven, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And then he was led in the Spirit, it, or led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted in the devil. God didn't send him there on his own. In a whole, his own flesh and blood body without the Holy Spirit, it had been hard, near impossible. We can't do it on our own. We need to stay plugged in to the power source. It's a 24-7, continual, vitally abiding, united to the vine. It's the presence of his Holy Spirit that works in us. Are you, get, are you with me? Okay, we've got a couple more to read. Verse 24, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh the godless human nature with its passions and appetites and desires. Who crucifies your flesh? God do it for you? We crucify our own flesh. In 1 Corinthians 9, I think 27, Paul said, I beat my body. And I've seen a couple posts on Facebook and heard some people talking that, you know, when you're in grace and grace of God is flowing, that it's just easy, it's effortless, you just walk right. 
<laughs> if you believe right, you just walk right. Easy, effortless. And I, <laughs> then I compare it to I beat my body, I crucify my flesh. Crucifixion is not fun. Let me tell you, if somebody came in here and said, choose your way to die, crucifixion would not be on the top of the list. That is torture. So what are we supposed to do to our flesh? Torture it. <laughs> your flesh does not like it when it doesn't win, does it? So we crucify our own flesh. Verse 6-1. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, then you who are spiritual should beat them over the head, cast them out of the church, post it on Facebook, and shun them. Is that what it says? <laughs> You know, it might be in one of the newer versions <laughs> written yesterday, but it's not in my Bible that, you know, was written a few years ago. Facebook didn't even exist, I think, when they translated the Amplified. But even if it did, they wouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I want to read something to you and just clarify a little bit. You who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, so it's defining what spiritual looks like for us. Because we get a, a, sometimes an unrealistic picture of what does spiritual really look like. So we're going to segue. This doesn't really have anything to do with anything except for it stood out to me and I want to say this. Spiritual is not saying Jesus in every sentence that you say all day long. Okay? It's not being woo-woo. It's not visions and dreams. It's not how much you prophesy. It's not how much you pray and read your Bible that makes you spiritual. It's not any of those things. It's not how much you witness to other people. It's not how many doors you knock on. That does not make you spiritual. Spiritual is being responsive to and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual is beating your flesh so that your spirit shines through. Are we on the same page? Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's being responsive to and guided by the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. We're talking about walking in the Spirit here. We're talking about I am in the Father and the Father's in me. What you feed grows and gets stronger, like my teenage boys. <laughs> they eat a lot. I feed them a lot. They're growing and getting stronger. What you starve gets weaker and dies. So we have a sinful nature. We have a spirit man. Who do you want to be in control? Who do you think is going to be in control? The stronger one, right? So how do we walk continually with God? How do we stay united to the vine? How do we not let sin rule? How do we walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh? We're going to feed 
our spirit and starve our flesh. Okay? If you have problem with anger, you want to feed what stirs that, or feed the spirit man as far as love. And we're going to talk in a minute about how to do that. And you want to starve what feeds your anger. If watching the news makes you angry, turn it off. <laughs> it's okay to be a little ignorant about what's going on in the world. Okay? If, it, <laughs> if something stirs your fear, turn it off. You know, when our kids were little, funny story, our kids, boys were little, I mean little, Mitchell was what, one and a half? Alex might have been two and a half, three? They would watch like those little cartoon movies and the music changes and it gets scary and Alex would run out of the room and Mitchell, <laughs> his eyes would get as big as saucers and he would have toys in his hands and he would be watching it and the music would get scary and he would just raise his hands up over his head, toys and all, until it was over and then he'd pull his hands back down. Alex would come back in the room. Alex did the right thing, right? He did not feed what made him afraid. <laughs> but what we feed is going to grow stronger and control us. Okay? I went completely off sugar about six and a half years ago. I'm not still completely off sugar, but I was t a touch. A t what? I don't eat that much. What was that laugh? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to let him come back and no. <laughs> I'm going to come over here and talk to you guys. So anyway, I went completely off sugar. I mean, anything that had any kind of sugar in it, I was addicted to it, right? So as in getting over anything that you're addicted to, I had issues. <laughs> I actually got shaky. I had headaches and I was cranky. I was cranky. Go away. I'm not looking at you right now. Your husband should never be in the room when you're preaching. <laughs> we should make that a rule. But I fed sugar. I made a constant diet out of sugar. And my appetite for sugar was immense. I could eat, I told my kids, two cookies. That's all you need is two cookies. Nobody ever needs more than two cookies. Two's enough. And then I'd send them off to their nap and eat a dozen. Thinking, oh, I'm such a hypocrite. But it was, and I, that appetite was never satisfied. I could eat more sugar and more sugar and more sugar and still want more sugar. Are you with me? Anybody ever been there? And so I went completely off it, and I stayed off it for a good few months before I started at, I mean, even fruit, no natural sugar, no sugar. And then I started adding little things back in. Can I tell you, it didn't take as much to satisfy. I could eat half a cookie and be sick to my stomach because it was too sweet. Because what you starve is the appetite you starve is going to die, and the appetite you feed is going to grow. Are you with me? Okay. Now where are we? We want to go back to abiding. We're going to relate this all to walking in the Spirit. I am in the Father. The Father's in me, abiding in the vine. In John chapter 11, 
verses 41 and 42. If I can find them. This is where Lazarus had died, and he went to the tomb. And verse 41 says, They rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. And I learned this in the King James Version, and it said, Father, I thank you that you hear me, and you hear me always. And so I looked up that word hear and heard in those two verses, and do you know what it means? It means to give audience and to be in the audience of. So when Jesus was praying that, he was really saying, Father, I thank you that you always give me audience. I thank you that I'm always, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. I am always in the audience of you. Always. 24-7. I am always in the audience of you. Being aware of his constant abiding presence. Remember what Galatians 5 said? It's the work of his presence in us that bears the fruit. His presence in us. Uh, Jesus was constantly aware. I am in the Father and the Father's in me. I am always in the audience of him. He was aware of that continuously. And you know what that does? Have you ever watched a child go to do something wrong? Not know you're watching them, but they look around, make sure no one's watching, and then they do the wrong thing because they know no one's watching them and they know that what they're going to do is wrong. So, Father, I thank you that I'm always in the audience of you. So anytime you go to yield to something that you ought not be yielding to, then stir it up. Okay, Father, I'm always in the audience of you. You're watching me here. Which can sound a little negative. It's just a guardrail. (laughs) Being aware of his constant presence is going to help keep you in the sweet spot, in that spot where you're not yielding to the flesh, where you're walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Who wants to fulfill the desires of the flesh? Nobody. We want to please him. We want to live in a manner that represents him well in the earth, right? Because our life is not about ourselves. We've yielded ourselves to his lordship. And that means saying no to the things that are outside the realm of his word and saying yes to the things that are in his word. Are, we, are, are you with me? But it's not just negative. How about a child that's lost in the store? And I did this to my kids one time. I had one of them, I can't remember which one, always pulling away, always wanting to run away and hide in this clothes rack or go, to, you know, kids are just crazy to say, why did I even bother taking them to the mall? That was nuts. 
but they would always try to run off. So one day I let one of them run off. Just let him go. I followed at a safe distance where I could keep my hand on them if something happened, but they didn't know I was behind them, and they got distracted, didn't know where they were, and just the fear. I mean, the tears to mommy, mommy, I can't find my mommy. So I'm always in the audience of him. It relieves the fear. There's constant peace. You know, when my kids are troubled, when they have nightmares, if it was storming, where's the first thing they went? To mom and dad. Because we were a safe place. And there was rest for their souls. So being aware of the fact that we're always in the audience of him, abiding in the vine, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, there's rest and there's peace for our souls. That's how Jesus stayed there. He was constantly aware. I am in the Father and the Father's in me. In Luke 5:16, it says Jesus Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You see over and over and over him withdrawing to the wilderness for prayer, going to the mountain to pray, going here to pray, doing this to pray. He was staying connected to the Father. Well, what did that look like? Did he sing? Did he worship? Was there music? Did he kneel? Did he stand? Did he lay prostrate? Did he walk around? Were his eyes open? Were his eyes closed? What did that look like for him? The Bible doesn't say. It's individual. My abiding is going to look different than your abiding because I'm my own unique person. Maybe because if I knelt down to pray, I'd fall asleep. And if I walk and pray, I stay awake. <laughs> Whatever it looks like for you. But the, it's not so much what you do, is that you do it. <laughs> all right? Whatever that looks like for you. Some people don't sing at all. Some people, that's how they connect, is worship. Some people connect by praying in the Spirit. Some people connect more in the Word. Whatever that looks like for you. We need all of it, but you're going to have a part of it that's stronger for you than others, and that's okay. We aren't comparing how we abide to one another. And I think that's why he didn't put anything specific in the Word, because we would have just tried to be Jesus. We would have just done what he did, and then when it didn't work for us, Brother Hagen used to stay up and pray from like 11 at night till 3 in the morning. I, my carriage turns into a pumpkin at 8.30. I am toast. I'm ready for bed. I'm more of a 5 o'clock in the morning girl. But some of you, the thought of 5 o'clock in the morning just makes you want to cry. <laughs> We're unique individuals and our abiding is allowed to be unique. It's not what you do, it's that you do it. We're almost done here. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Jesus, if Jesus had to do it, if Jesus had to live this way, to stay connected to the Father, then we do too. Let's not even think that we're going to be able to do this without staying connected 
abidingly united to the vine. Some mornings I wake up uber happy. I sense the Spirit of God. I hear a scripture. I have a song. This morning I woke up grumpy and late and not in the Spirit one bit. I couldn't remember a chorus to any worship song. Wasn't I? You're allowed to talk now. <laughs> it's a trap. He said, it's a trap and I'm not walking into it. <laughs> Smart man. And it was just, I mean, instead of rivers of living water, I had panic and I had stress and I had just the weight of the world crushing down on me and walk in the spirit was not even in my mind. And he's like, dude, <laughs> do you need some help with something? What can I do? So he took the kids off to school. I finished up the work. I had to get up and work this morning, so I finished up the work that I was doing, and I got in the shower, and I just started to worship. I put on a worship song, and I'm like, yep, this is it. I got to take a drink of the river of life here. And that's all it is. That panic rises, that stress rises. And I was studying this all week. I knew what to do. <laughs> it's okay. We're all human. But when that happens, please take a second. Take a drink from the rivers of living water that are on the inside of you. Remind yourself, I am always in the audience of him. His presence lives in me, abides in me, and I might not feel it right now, but the same power that raised Christ from the dead quickens my mortal body and rivers of living water are in me, wells to spring up and refresh me. I don't have to be dry. The power of God's on the inside of me. People say, well, you're just putting that on. Nope, I'm stirring it up. There's a difference. I'm not pretending. I really believe all those things. And you just have to put yourself in remembrance of them. And that's how Jesus did it. I am in the Father. The Father does the work through me. It's not an effortless thing. It's the grace. It's the unforced rhythms of grace. It's the power and the presence of God, that divine influence on the heart that reflects into life. Our job is just to stay plugged into the source. That's all. Our job is to stay plugged into the source. And I can guarantee you if flesh is ruling, that you're not plugged in. So all you have to do is plug back in. Okay? Stir it up on the inside. That's how Jesus walked the way he walked. I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. I am always in the audience of you. We can do this. We can do this. We can walk above it. We can walk in the Spirit. Amen? Father, I thank you for the words that you gave me. I pray that they came out clear and concise. And if they didn't, then I pray that as they go home, that you make it clear and concise on the inside of them. Because <laughs> the teacher goes home with every one of us. I thank you that the Holy Spirit goes home on the inside of us to stir this up on the inside of us, helping us to walk in the Spirit, helping us to walk in your strength and in your power. Let us become more and more aware of your power and presence within. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Y'all are dismissed. We will see you on Sunday. Ladies. Saturday, 11.30, we'll meet you at Yamato's.